This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Pre-season overreactions, it's been two games, but what hills are we already ready to die on? What about this Celtics team are we ready to factually declare before the regular season even starts? Plus, a quick Raptors game recap, big man rotations and more coming up on First to the Floor. What is going on? Ben Vallis here, ready to salivate on my mic here about these (laughs) first two Celtics performances, just these first two preseason games. I'm ready to launch them into title contention, at least from an expectation standpoint. Wayne Spoonie, hopefully going to be joining us a little bit later. Uh, I believe his kid woke up right before we were about to stream, so apologies for the delay there. In the meantime, Jake Eisenberg, also with us on this one. Uh, how are you, Jake? And if you're doing great, how much of that has got to do with how good the Celtics have looked so far? I'm doing great. I'm doing great in part because of the Celtics, but part your preseason enthusiasm is is bringing me up. <laughs> I, 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 this is my first time going through a preseason with you, and I love it. it we're, we're riding high. Let it fly. Yeah. And I was trying to think, like, how many, like, what was our preseason record last year or the year before? <laughs> I mean, the, the, I think the only notable one that everyone sadly remembers is 2019, where it was like, well, wait a second, we don't look very good here. What's going on? But other than that, like, preseason records don't matter. And yet here we are to overreact to everything yes. that has happened uh, so far in the preseason. Um, before we get to that, should we do a quick recap of preseason game two, the Raptors yeah. game? which I would like to declare that the Celtics won. The Celtics <laughs> essentially won that game. Yeah, I'm putting it down as a win for the boys in green in that they won the first three quarters. Then they went ahead and lost the fourth by 18 and <laughs> OT by six. I would like to personally blame and spotlight uh, Justin Jackson oh, for man. losing us that game. Um, but yeah. let's just stick to the, the more enjoyable parts of the game there in the, the first three quarters there, Jake. What are your main takeaways from this one? You know, offensively, defensively, how did the Celtics get this done? Well, thankfully, like a lot of people, my league pass has kind of been in and out of working. And so like the, the late fourth quarter, it started to kind of conk out. And so I missed the, the full collapse until watching it later. And so like I had fully just embraced the win at that point. So um, I didn't have to go, go, go through the, the Justin Jackson. But yeah, people are ready to send him to China already, which is kind of disappointing because I kind of liked um, him as a 15th man. That obviously um, is not happening anymore. Um, coming into the game, I think uh, for me, it was like, how are they going to look uh, against a Raptors team that has one of the best defenses in the league and a defense that's kind of designed to stop the Celtics. Like if you want to slow down two of the best six, eight wings in the league, the entire Toronto Raptors team, like they have five of the guys that you probably pick off a list to try and defend those guys. Um, And I Mm -hmm. think the first quarter, there was a little adjustment period um, to realizing they weren't playing the Charlotte Hornets anymore. Uh, And they were playing, I think the Raptors Twitter are calling them vision six, nine, because everybody on the team has to be around 6'9 and do a bunch of stuff. Um, but the ball was <laughs> popping again. Wide open threes. They couldn't knock any threes down today, but then um, yesterday. Uh, but the ball was popping again. Yeah, 31 assists yesterday, 14, I think, in the first half, uh, mm-hmm. which is just an absurd, absurd rate. Um, great to see the identity still there. The defense, the, the, the Raptors had no answers on the other end either. Um, the the defensive identity of the team uh, definitely intact after the second game. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. And that first few minutes or so, like it was pretty messy and yeah. um, a defensive slugfest. And a lot of that was the the Celtics were settling for those outside shots. And in the past, I think you know, a lot of fans have been like, well, if we're not hitting our threes, we're in trouble here because like we can't really get to the rim reliably. And like a few things, and we're going to get to these players individually in our overreactions shortly, but Jalen Brown can certainly get fucking anywhere, including yes. but not limited to the rim now, it seems. Um, Jason Tatum, also much better at getting to the rim. John Corrales was harping on, a, on, on his podcast last night about how okay. he's he's making like more efficient straight line drives yes. to the bucket rather than trying to sort of weave his way there. And then enter Malcolm Brogdon with his Oof. averaging nine assists so far in the preseason. If there's one guy who can get to the rim and finish or operate out of that position, it's Malcolm Brogdon. So rather than settling for threes, and, and living or dying by those shots, suddenly there was this sort of concerted effort halfway through the first quarter. Let's just start getting to the rim and start making things happen. And then the Celtics just swarmed in on that strategy, and that was kind of it for the Raptors until it became the Justin Jackson show later in the day. Yeah, one, yeah once the seal was kind of broken, and I think that the Malcolm Brogdon thing, it's going to be a bit of a push and pull with Celtics fans um, wanting him to start uh, and just play as many minutes as possible because... He's he's really 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 good, um, and I'm I'm never I'm gonna keep harping on the stat that I saw in the off season. It was like one of those graphs you see, and it's like all the different little faces on there. And it's like unassisted um, field goals at the rim per seventy five possessions, and Malcolm Brogdon was kind of like in that group that was alone by themselves before you you got the clump of everybody else next to them, and you really see that he is so good at getting to the rim. He has these little crossovers. Um, yeah, and Spoonie talked about how he's not like the best passer in in the league, but because he creates such powerful advantages when he gets to the rim, the passes are really easy for him to make, which is why he has not averaging nine assists in the first two games. Um, but yeah, and the one yeah, I feel like he shifted the mentality because I I was I was something I was noting was that while all the three point shots were really good, they were all perimeter shots early in the in the game and they just weren't falling today. So I think mm-hmm. that um, having someone else that kind of uh, sort of go with Jalen was a great point because he can get anywhere on the court and he often is, is the one guy getting to the rim, having another dude who's got an elite talent at getting to the rim and opening things up for everybody else. Um, it was just a snowball effect and it was just drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick. Beautiful. What a seamless integration. Like, I think he, there's yeah. maybe a few minutes in his first game against the Hornets where it was like, oh, what am I doing? Like, do I pass the ball? Do I look yeah. for my own shot? And then all of that just melted away. And he's been, he's really um, slotted in very nicely as this new addition to the team. And, and seems like, like you said that, Jake, like he's got really nice chemistry with a few certain individuals in mm. particular. Um, one, Sam Hauser, Jeez. currently shooting 69% from three. Uh, who we'll get to in nice. more detail in a little bit. Uh, I want to say a quick welcome to those in the chat here on the live stream and YouTube. There's a few of you in there now. Let us know your thoughts, please, on the Raptors game or the preseason so far. Do you got any hot takes that you want us to get to um, in a soon-to-be-upcoming segment here later on the pod? Uh, but thank you all for, for joining us. Um, mention the assist, 31 in this game, Jake, 41 <laughs> in the game prior. It's so many. You sort of saw the... I know, it's so many, and like, obviously that implies made baskets and sure. ball movement, which are like the two sort of um, foundational pillars of, of any offense. Uh, really great to see. I, I think we saw the inverse of that with turnovers, and I, I thought I wrote down the turnover numbers in my run sheet here. I clearly haven't, but suffice to say, I see a shitload of turnovers in game one. 23 in game one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there you go, yeah. yeah. Um, and then <laughs> I just failed to write down the turnover count. I think it was 10. I think it was okay. roughly 10 turnovers in game two. So um, cleaning things up on that end. And this point of the season, like you're looking for um, glaring issues to, to be addressed as quickly as possible. That's kind of what preseason is for. It's just an extension of practice and training camp. So for them to turn that around so quickly and against a quality defense like the Raptors, uh, I think is incredible. Jake, yeah. uh, actually... Couple more stats here for you before I throw it back to you. Please. So, I, just to hammer home the fact that it was a win for the Celtics. <laughs> so, the Raptors starters all had a negative plus minus. And OG Ananobi had a plus minus of negative 27. Scotty Barnes had a negative 22. Like, these guys got shat on by our guys <laughs> when the game was being taken seriously. I just, if I could ever go back and amend like a, like a final scoreline, 
It would be this one if I had a like a basketball box score genie to grant me a wish. It would be this game. It's just unfair that they came back away. Yeah, it was really and, disappointing. Yeah, the Raptors and Celtics, like you never want to drop a game to the Toronto Termites. Um like but the the <laughs> the, the Raptors are kind of similar to the Celtics, just worse. Like they're, you know, they're switchable, they play tough, they play, you know, they're good defense. They have a couple of uh elite wings, like Siakam is kind of like JT Light. Um, I know OG Ananobi was the the one great hope to turn into Jalen Brown, and now that Scotty Barnes has kind of taken the mantle, I hear some crazy shit on on Raptors Twitter. Like, I've, he's a mix of Giannis, Magic Johnson, and LeBron, um, and I love Scotty Barnes, but uh, that's kind of outrageous. I will say, in the mm-hmm. first half where they had um, the fifteen assists, they only shot thirty five percent from three. So, like. It wasn't like they were, you know, shooting fifty percent from three, and that was why the assist numbers racked up. Like they, they were just moving the ball uh, so, so well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I suppose I want to save the the takes for for the Jays and, and Sam Hauser. In fact, unless you've got anything else on the Raptors game, and you know it is preseason. Mm. I think we've covered most of the the trends and and sort of the standout features of the team so far. Have you got anything else on on preseason at all, Jake? That you want to cover before we move on to our uh, spicy hot take yeah. segment? <laughs> I'm just very encouraged. I think um, I, I'm like I'm pretty sure that the Charlotte Hornets are going to be um, the second worst team in the East after the Indiana Pacers. So like it was awesome they won by forty, but I was actually pretty excited to see how they matched up against a team that I. That won 48 games last year, who improved in the offseason. Like, yeah, preseason, yada, yada, yada. The intensity of this game was really high in the first half. Like, both teams wanted to win this game. Uh, mm-hmm. There's bad blood from the bubble uh, 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 Western, uh, the Eastern Conference semifinals with Nick Nurse. Yeah. I saw, a, saw a fucking <laughs> screenshot of him standing on the court uh, recently because now where um, the refs are focusing in on the bench mob and giving technicals for being too close to the court. And as long as... Nick Nurse isn't allowed to be on the court. I'm kind of okay with the rule. Um, but yeah, yeah like, yeah, <laughs> this is a good team. He should be coaching remotely at this point, at least <laughs> when it pertains to the Celtics. Like, just get him out of there. Yeah. He's bad news. Uh, Joe, with a very, very important, very serious question here. Do you think we'd have what it takes to hold off the Adelaide 36ers on the back of that performance, Jake? Look, I mean- the, the way that the 36ers are shooting the ball so far this preseason, I'm not sure. I'm not sure anybody has a chance of taking down the 36ers uh, at this point. <laughs> I, I pulled up the stats NBA.com like website to prep for this podcast, and Adelaide 36ers is like plastered all over yes. that that NBA website, which is insane and a testament to just the great Aussie talent that uh, that the NBL is exhibiting on a regular basis. Um, one more little note I had here on the Raptors game that the Raptors had a lot of points in the paint, 70 mm-hmm. in total versus Boston's 52. And on the Raptors Reddit page and on Raptors Twitter, they were, they were actually talking about how they, they had a lot of success, they thought, going at Horford. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's secondary to like they don't have a lot of great shooting on the court and yeah. therefore like if they are going to score, it's going to be in the paint and then maybe add a little bit of like Horford dialing it back due to it being preseason, due to him being 36 years old and oh, knowing yeah. where his bread is butted and that not being in the preseason. Yeah. I was thinking about this and how we haven't really spoken about Horford or seen much about Horford. Um, and I think that kind of is just Horford in general. Then um, the average owl stuff, like mm-hmm. no, no news is good news about Horford until we get to the playoffs pretty much. Like um, I would imagine he's in like first or second gear right now. He's just moving the ball. Taking open threes, and yeah, he's he's not worrying too much about trying to switch out onto Fred Van Vliet and get too crazy as he should yeah. be. I think we can almost paint Marcus Smart with that brush as well, where he's kind of a no news is good news player. Um, the news on Marcus Smart is the egregious level of turnovers in the, yeah. like everything prior to the second half of the Raptors game so far this preseason. Like if you talk about a guy in first or second gear, like. He might have the car in fucking reverse or, or something. Like he's just doing doing doughies in the Angadine Mackers yeah. car park. <laughs> he, yeah, he, um, the, yeah. The the off the backboard lob to kind of Derek and whoever else was running in the fast break yeah. when there was no there, there was nothing. It was like 2018 lob attempt vibes right there. Yeah, but outside of those moments where he was taking things more seriously, 
just kind of naturally threaded into the the natural state of things offensively and defensively. He's had a, a couple of notable defensive plays, mm-hmm. but offensively he hasn't really stood out. And I, I mean that in the best way possible because yeah. there have been times as as longtime Celtics fans, we know Marcus Smart can stand out like a or stick out like a sore thumb. He hasn't been doing that despite, you know, his uh mm-hmm. lackadaisical point guard styles with the turnovers and, and strange assist attempts at times. So that's been really good to see. Yeah. Jake, I think I was gonna say Sorry, like, go he, had, he had the lowest field goal attempts out of like all of the main guys. Jalen, Jason, Horford, Derek, Brogdon, Hauser, Grant. He took four attempts, and that's exactly what you want. What you want, and three of them were the wide open threes. So perfect. Yeah, and and yet across the two games has by far the highest uh, single game or, or dual game yeah, plus yeah. minus at a plus sixteen. No way, which is great. So, no, not at all. All right. Yeah. Preseason overreactions, that's going to be the meat of this podcast, where uh, a lot of hyperbole, which is to be expected from uh, from this podcast. We're going to talk about, um, yeah, overreactions to what we've seen so far in the preseason. I'm going to throw one out there, Jake, and maybe we can just go back and forth here. Um, this is a great overreaction to start with. Jalen Brown looks like 1991 Michael Jordan. <laughs> uh, he's been 17 for 25 from the field so far, 68%. So close, Jalen Brown. Um, <laughs> and just the the moves he's been busting out. Uh, you know, the, I, I suppose the biggest criticism coming out of the playoffs was Jalen Brown dribbling into traffic and just kind of losing control of the ball, whether it be you being stripped or trying to throw out a pass, trying to throw the ball away and throwing it out of bounds or directly to the opposition. And again, these overreactions, it's two preseason games, yes. but his control and his decisiveness and his decision-making and then just the flair on top of that, like the superstar NBA Jam flair packaged all together is why I'm throwing out the very unserious Michael Jordan comparison here. But um, he looks incredible. He looks buff. He looks he awesome. He looks huge, uh, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. What do you got on Jalen Brown? My girlfriend, Lucy, she huge, huge, huge Jalen Brown fan. I caught her watching um, Jalen's GQ interview last night before I had even <laughs> seen it. So, um, and I had been wow. telling her how jacked Jalen had looked. And she's like, oh, yeah, you always, Jalen's always jacked. And I'm like, no, no, no. He's, he's come in in serious shape. And I, I'm, I'm convinced that like the wrist really hampered his ability to get better last year. And I think was mm-hmm. a reason why the handle kind of regressed a little bit. Completely healthy coming off the finals. This guy needs no extra motivation to get better. And, you know, there's the Kevin Durant trade rumors. There's the losing in the finals. There's the contract year, the ability to make all NBA and make like a $250 million contract. Like for a guy that doesn't need extra motivation, who lives with a chip on his shoulder to get chip upon chip upon chip upon chip in the off season, I think is quite obviously had an impact. Like he looks incredible shape. Um, he looks a little more explosive to me as well. I think even like, you know, he had the hamstring last year. Um, there was a few mm-hmm. moments last year where he's trying to dunk on people. And he was just missing like one to two inches of, of lift. And yeah, that first play in the Hornets game where he cooks Lamelo and just casually throws down a tomahawk with the right hand. Um, it's quite obvious. My favorite play of the game yesterday was we're talking about um, Jalen Brown, Landon Lakes. Thanks for stopping by, my friend. And um, <laughs> there was a play where Tatum kind of threw him a, uh, a hot potato with five seconds left. I'm forgetting who he cooked, but he went between the legs, between the legs, deep two, Kobe fadeaway, splash, doesn't even touch the rim. Like he's just. Yeah, on Gary Trent. Gary Trent, yeah. Who Solid was like defender. an elite defender. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. Uh, yeah, he he's cooking. He he still can't shoot free throws, um, despite uh, apparently working on them. He huh. missed three. He missed three in a row yesterday. Um, that's just going to be part of the Jalen experience for the rest of his career, I think. Uh, but yeah, I I ninety ninety one MJ maybe a little strong, but like peak T Mac <laughs> is maybe a little light. So who yeah. knows? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The only reason I went with ninety one is because that's like still pre championship like beginning of the <laughs> yeah, yeah. 1991 season <laughs> sounds like we're talking about hauser thank you thank you Landon. we are going to get to hauser in a say, second yeah. um but yeah the, the, i think that one of the actual highlights of the game on the nbc boston broadcast was that tatum brown pick and roll they only ran it to completion in, i think one possession but brown is the ball handler tatum off the ball and i think you've got some clips jake that we'll get to shortly for for tatum i don't know if that's involved um 
but yeah, such a sexy play for Celtics fans and like um, Jay's connoisseurs, like to see these guys run that kind of connection out of the pick and roll uh, and to see of, of all people, Jalen Brown being the, uh, the playmaker there uh, is incredible. On top of that, just sharing my screen here, scrolling through Celtics Reddit. Here we Shout go. out to Celtics Reddit. We still love you guys. Um, Jared Weiss on the KD trade rumors and Jalen's future in Boston. I think Jalen understood why this was happening. I'm not getting the impression he's playing out his deal and then looking to go elsewhere. I think he's in a pretty good spot with the organization, uh, all things considered, which is music to our ears. If we thought that Jalen Brown, Tatum pick and roll was good. Hearing that there's maybe a little bit of longevity considered in terms of his tenure as a Boston Celtic uh, is what helps me sleep at night. Landon <laughs> Lakes uh, chiming in there. Um, any any thoughts on that before we move on from from Jalen Brown, Jake? Do you, do you, uh, are you taking that with a grain of salt or does that sort of uh, help inflate your confidence about where he's going to be in the future? It's so hard to know um, with with any of these guys. Um, but especially Jalen. I know we had the um the second year in a row we had the the Jays puff piece uh on NBC yeah. by interviewed by Chris Forsberg again doing an excellent job. Um so again, yeah, puff piece, it's it is that's what it is. So you gotta take that with a grain of salt. But like there's no there's there's no there's nothing pointing to him wanting to leave outside of like speculation. Everything that he says and does has pointed to the opposite of that. And, you know, he talks about wanting to win and even in that GQ interview, or was that interview yesterday? But like, you know, I, I could leave. I could I could average twenty five to thirty on a on another situation, but I want to win. I want to stay here. Like, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. But I, I you know, I, I have it at like eighty percent plus that he resigns um, with the Celtics until we get uh, any other new information that points the other direction. Yeah, and like as long as we can max him, which we can, and then some, as far as what he earn elsewhere. What better situation is there? I mean, I, I suppose the argument's been made, and so we don't have to remake it, that like he could have more of the spotlight solely on him if he went elsewhere. But there's such an emphasis on winning as yeah. far as like just how that punctuates your overall career trajectory um, and just like how you're remembered legacy-wise. And going somewhere like the Kings or the Pacers yeah. or somewhere um, who might have cap space next year doesn't make sense. This That's is the, best the thing. Situation the, for the teams that do have cap space aren't going to be winners. Like the only, thing, you know, being from Atlanta, you know, that's a team that uh, I think he probably, you know, <laughs> shed defenders, not pathogens. Yeah, perfect. Shout out, um, Joe. <laughs> yeah, he. Um, Atlanta's probably the one, the one team that I think you know he probably wants to play uh, for yeah. at some point in his career. Um, they're not going to have cap space. Um, so like, if he did want to leave, it would have to be a sign and trade. Um, you know, not someone we would want to would. We were on a lose, but you know, if you're getting back, you know, John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, um, and stuff, like you know, that's a lot better than losing Jalen for nothing. Um, that's really the only team, like from knowing Jalen as as best we can, that I think he would want to go to. I just don't see him wanting to go to the the Magic, unless you know, unless they take a massive leap this year. But even then, he's not. Is he going to be the number one guy on a team with Paolo? Uh, I don't know. It's, you know, like yeah, a healthy Jonathan Isaac. Uh, who's to say? Who's to um, say? Do you want to kick off our second preseason overreaction, <laughs> Jake? <laughs> of course. It's time for house money. Sam Hauser is the 2023 All-Star Weekend three-point champion. This does not feel like an overreaction <laughs> relative to the 91 MJ comparison. Um, Just makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he... He's shooting 69% on the preseason. I see no why, any reason why that would go down across the regular season at this point. Um, he's only going to be continuing to get wide open looks. Um, like, how can you not be insanely, insanely hyped about what Sam Hauser's giving you? Like, this is this is what the the Heat found in Duncan Robinson. Like, without Duncan Robinson, the Heat don't make it anywhere near um, the finals in the bubble. Like, he was such a such an incredible find, like finding dudes in the late first and, and, and second round that become legitimate top eight, top nine rotation players, um, mm-hmm. have such insane impacts. Like the heat are, are dining off like the half their roster being these guys. Um, it's actually kind of insane to think about if they weren't hitting on these lottery tickets, how screwed they would be. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, like Sam Hauser, man, I mean, he could probably me squeak in as an all-star or an injury replacement at this point. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the, I mean, it's preseason overreactions. That's what we're yeah. doing. Um, so don't, don't <laughs> shut us down for that take. Um, uh, I, we, I feel like we've been due for this kind of acquisition as a team for a while. One of the most frustrating elements of being a Celtics fan, and I guess just saying this goes to show how good we've had it uh, lately, is seeing other teams find diamonds in the rough. Uh, namely the Miami Heat, but there are other teams who are good at it as well. The Spurs, maybe another one. Raptors, with yeah. Their, um, Raptors. Like, we, we, we've been due, and then we've had certain picks, first-round picks, fail. Uh, Aaron Neesmith, um, oh. who actually looked pretty good for the Pacers um, yesterday, and, like, this shooter to space the floor, even if they get no shots, even if, you know, the, the NBA gets wise to the Hauser effect early on, and they have to stick to him, the amount of space that opens up, like that player archetype, Hauser, or just anyone that we've attempted to draft who could, in theory, shoot, what that opens up for the other guys on our team, the actual real all-star level players, the Jays, essentially, is so, so huge. And then add to that, Hauser's had some incredible two-point shot conversions as well. He had that and one, also Joe Mazzulla's uh, debut coaching challenge, which was successful. Yes. Yeah, one play there for Sam Hauser. Uh, he's had some really nice off-ball cuts. And then we talked about like not noticing Horford and not noticing Smart and how that's a good thing. Not really noticing Hauser on the defensive end is also a supremely underrated fact. And I think a lot of us have noticed because we've been watching intently, like, can he hold up on that side of the floor? <laughs> Carl with the yeah, I have to have to feature Carl's comment here. Good thing Wayne Spoonie wasn't here uh, to I know. say that. Absolutely, uh, he, he is hurting right now. And like, I, I don't want to go too far behind the curtain here, but that is actually why Wayne Spoonie hasn't joined this podcast. He's <laughs> quietly <laughs> weeping in the shower, I believe. Uh, but hopefully, he can join us uh, a little bit later. Um, but Sam Hauser, the the effect is, is clear. I think at this stage, Jake, um, really looking forward to seeing what he looks like like in the regular season, like yeah. will the moment be too big for him, particularly in that opening game against the Sixers, which is like, that's a, that's a feature game. That's a, that's a big stage. Do you think he's going to be able to hold up in, in situations like that's, that? That's the question. Like yes. Neesmith, <laughs> as you mentioned, was two for five from three yesterday, 40% from three preseason hero, Aaron Neesmith. Mm-hmm. Granted, 40% is not 69% on like bigger volume in two games, but preseason, summer league, College, up in Maine, these are far less pressurized situations than opening night against the Philadelphia 76ers. Like, that is a completely different kettle of fish. And we're not going to know until he's knocking down threes. And, like, Mm -hmm. how many – I feel like it's happened, you know, Neesmith, Romeo, uh, Carson Edwards, like, we're just on on the edge of our seat on pins and needles just, like, praying to the – gods that the threes start to go in. Neesmith was yeah. every shot that went up, you're just like, I will sacrifice everything I own for this three, yes. first three, first <laughs> three pointer to go in. Because if it doesn't go in, then he's cooked for the rest of the game. We're not mm-hmm. going to know until that first one. I think the matchup for him is pretty, pretty solid um, in the, in the opening game. Um, and I know yeah. Brogdon's on our um, overreactions list as well, um, but he's just going to be freaking wide open on a lot of these. And if he's not, then, then people are just going to be getting to the rim. Yeah, I'm going to be intently watching to see at what point in the game he gets inserted in game one. Like, will the will Joe Mazzulla's confidence in Sam Hauser and the team's confidence in Sam Hauser be maintained in a game on that stage? Um, yeah, because Harden, Harden, I can see having uh, a bit of a field day with pulling Hauser out into an island. So yeah, um, yeah. So that's definitely something to watch as well. Well, Hauser just going to pull him out onto his own That's right. super sexy island on the other That's end, right? right? That's get how him it run works. around some screens, uh, get him tired. Let's go. The next preseason overreaction. Uh, this might be the least overreacty overreaction on the show. Uh, Grant Williams is now a complete NBA player, and he's reached that stage of completion uh, at one specific moment in the, in the last game, which is when he caught the ball running to the wing. Uh, in transition, oh, yeah. put up a hezzy shot fake and Come then on. drove to the basket. Like, if he's doing that and then, you know, he, he's now just in general added this sort of, like, fake and, and you know, drive into closeout component to his game on top of the threes, which he's hitting at a very high clip so far in the preseason, considering his role, is he not fully complete in that role? Now, is he not exactly what many NBA teams need at this stage? 
Dude, they need to sign this dude's extension today. <laughs> Every single I'll, game. I'll do donate money. I'm Let's no, go. no. Wick, Wick's got it. Wick, all right, you know. <laughs> okay, all right. Open up the pocketbook. Like, <laughs> okay, okay. Like <laughs> every game, the price of Grant's contract is going up. Like, I, 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 I was just about to finish reading the interview that uh, Jared Weiss had um, on Hoops Hype, and I know they get to the Grant Williams extension, um, but I'm, I'm, I am surprised that it hasn't gotten done yet. Um, probably because Grant knows that the price is going up every single day, and mm-hmm. in free agency, he's probably going to get a pretty pretty serious contract um there's he's the perfect role player like he was already he was already perfect as he was um through the playoff run that was just the the piece to round out him as like the perfect guy in that role was people now because the, the, the when he started hitting all those shots earlier in the season people still weren't defending him like he was a 40 percent three-point shooter then when the playoffs rolled around the bucks left him open and he knocked down eight threes in a game seven. And the Heat and the Warriors were like, that's a really fucking good shot for you guys. We're not going to just be giving you like wide open threes to a really good shooter. And that limited what, limited what he was able to do um, impact-wise on the court. And the next step of that evolution appears to be exactly what he worked on. He also clearly has lost a little bit more weight because I know that was part of his process, just like slowly getting slimmer, but maintaining strength and increasing athleticism. And he's been in the sun. That dude is looking trim, tan, and just cooking dudes off the dribble. We've got spin moves plus uh, uh, little handoffs to Vonley. We've got alley-oops running the pick and roll to Cabangeli, like Hezzy's hitting the layups. I'm just waiting for the first time he dunks on someone. I think that's going to be kind of the culmination of the of the Grant Williams experience. And then he's still switching one through five. Like the fact that he is kind of your emergency at the five. Um, and then, but he's, you know, that, that that's an, an elite five out option um, to have. So yes, complete player. Yeah, pretty much, man, as far as elite role players go. In his role, yeah. Obviously, it'd be nice if he was a little bit taller, maybe a little right. bit quicker. But as far as like, you know, we drafted him a couple of years ago. What is this guy's ceiling? I feel like he's like basically hit the ceiling, if not blasted through it. Um, yeah, I think well, we, you yeah. and Spoonie talked about it on the last podcast that he had a bit more of a post game at Tennessee. Yeah. We haven't seen a lot of that. Again, it's preseason. We can dismiss things on this podcast as being, ah, it's preseason or whatever. And also we can look at things and prop them up and overreact to them, you know, because it's preseason. That's what we have the the right to do as owners of this podcast. Um, Landon Lakes with an interesting comment. Uh, I think the Celtics should wait until next year to extend Grant in the very off chance that we package him, keep all options open, which is interesting. Like he, on one hand, if you're looking at it objectively, he's like, he's scintillating enough, uh, from an opposing NBA franchise's perspective that he could be considered as like a valuable piece in like a quote unquote blockbuster trade. But then it comes down to like how complimentary is him to our team compared to anyone else that we could get in return. Um, and how friendly would that yeah. extension be? And then if you are going to trade him, what like, like size of change do you need? What denomination of, of contract size do you need? Do you yeah. want what he's currently on? Or do you want to extend him to like 15, 17 per year, which is kind of a more, tradable salary range, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, yeah, in order to kind of do what Landon's saying here is it would be kind of a sign-and-trade situation where, like, in the off-season when we haven't signed him yet, it's going to be, yeah, okay, we're signing him to that 20 mil per year and we're bringing back someone else, you know, after we've included another pick, maybe a Peyton Pritchard as well, um, and it's going to be, you know, a third star or fourth star, depending on how you feel about Rob Williams. Um I yeah I I'm I think he's gonna have more value to you and I think like and this is why they got to get the I personally think they got to get the the contract done like if you can have someone in that twenty million and under range um, all these contracts are gonna be cheap as hell once the um the new TV deal comes in in a couple of years so like yeah even if you have to overpay for Grant a little bit um it's gonna look Really, and and the cap's going up every year. Like it, it came in over then over the expected amount. It was supposed to go up this year. Um, these deals are just getting like Jalen's on like such a ridiculously cheap deal at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely anti uh, trading Grant at this point. Just I think how much he brings to the table. Um, he's a proven playoff guy already, um, and that's 
that's that was really his first big step as a player, and I I would ex- expect him to incrementally continue to improve over the next couple of years. And everybody likes making fun of Grant. He seems to be like very core to the to the to the banter of the of the group. Even I saw some tweet about Blake Griffin's already roasting Grant. Like you got to that, That's a key part of every friendship group it's like Spoonie you know we're always roasting Spoonie behind this behind the scenes see he's late again as per usual um he can't rewind this it's all good but safe (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I think um vibes impact on the court um I'm pretty anti getting rid of Grant at this point even obviously never say never if the right deal comes along um of course yeah yeah consummate vibes man uh very much like a recent acquisition by the Celtics who we're going to get to a little bit later. Jake, do you want to take the lead on the the Tatum overreaction segment? Because I I believe you've got (laughs) at least a clip or two that you want to run us through here. Yeah, well, so we we touched on it on the last podcast. Um, The only kind of, one of the only negative things we took away from last game is, um, is Tatum going to get off to the slow start that we saw last year? at least shooting the ball. Uh, I think last year was it was shooting the ball. It was the team defense. It was uh, the movement of the of the offense. All of those things were happening at the same time, and they were all kind of focused on Tatum. Um, but the shooting appears to not be there still. Um, but it does not appear to matter right now because he's literally doing everything else, um, whether it's playmaking. Um, his defense is going to continue to be underrated for his entire career because of how good he is on offense, and that's just mm-hmm. how it works. Like, if you're a defense-only player, that's going to be overrated. Like, Matisse Thybul, I think, is one of the most overrated defenders in the league because he can't do anything else. Like, Tatum's a better, much better wing defender than someone like that, um, but he's just not going to get the credit for it. So he's doing the elite defense, the playmaking, um, and something that I've noticed um, has been his off-ball contributions cutting off ball, they're getting him in different actions. I know they did that last year. I'm going to play a little clip here. We should be able to talk over it. Um, you can still hear me, Ben? I hear you. Yeah, see, look at that. Perfect cut, kick to, to smart. And Derek White was the screener on that one as well, who's also the screener here. Derek White screens both Ubre and Lamelo pretty much here. One of the only threes Tatum actually hits. Single him, double drag screen. Single double drag screen. Genius. <laughs> Getting him in, in one of these perfect spots. Brogdon, looking for him. This is just a beautiful... And this is on OG Ananobi and Precious Achua. And then yeah. every Celtics favorite play, the Jays, screen and roll. Scotty Barnes, oh, no man. chance. Tomahawk, right? Like, And that was two plays from each of the last two games, I, I'm not sure if they're, they're doing it more. It feels like to me that there's a focus from the rest of the team to get Jason Tatum easy looks, whether it's wide open sc- threes on screens, cutting to the rim. Um, he just has so much gravity that, you know, like that first play, finding smart wide open. And if you just get him those easy looks, those the threes will start to fall. I felt like last year that um, he was forcing it a bit, I think, and and some of the little things weren't getting done. But now that this team's identity seems to be quite set in stone, it's just, it's like when you're playing 2K and you've got a my create player, every pass adds to kind of like your momentum. Mm-hmm. That's once he gets in the flow of the game, the Boston crowd, all that stuff's going to take care of itself. I think the slump will hopefully end sooner than like January this time around. Uh, but yeah, I really, I really like what he's doing off ball at the moment. Yeah, and we, we talked about Al Horford potentially being in like vacation mode still and playing in like first yeah. or second gear. Probably safe to say that that Tatum is also taking that approach. And you know, this time at this point, knowing him as an NBA player for this long, we sort of had the benefit of going, okay, like yes, it would have been nice if he came out shooting hot to begin with, but like we know this is how it goes, and we certainly know how it ends, which is yeah. much more important that latter part of the season. Uh, I've got a, a play that I wanted to share as well. You talked about his sort of off-ball movement and just while playing in that first or second gear, not playing, you know, um, at full force, it's still just a beautiful thing to watch him sort of fit perfectly into the seams of the offense and the defense. I wanted to talk about his passing and his reads very quickly. So if I could bring up this clip very quickly, they run a play to sort of get Tatum open and it doesn't really achieve anything. 
you know, we're not really generating a good shot out of this. And here we see essentially a double team come over to Jason Tatum. He finds Smart open on the wing, Smart with the extra swing pass over to Jason Tatum. But he was so quick to react to not only the double team, but who was open as a result of the double team. And yes, that is an extension of what he was doing last year. Like this isn't a new development, but considering that he's just sort of half-assing it, and is just so a second nature able to make that read and set up that that bucket for for Jalen Brown, who in his own right is shooting incredibly. That's just so fun to watch. Like yes, yeah. like Space Jam, NBA Jam dunks and Zion's and all that stuff are like obviously <laughs> that's very entertaining, very social Whatever. media friendly. Follow us on TikTok versus the Floor A team. But like that kind of sexy basketball in that kind of team dynamic, and then I suppose leaking into that is like my personal anxiety of the coaching situation and Ime Udoka not being there and like, are these guys all on the same page? Like the answer is clearly yes. So the hot take there to circle back on it is that Tatum cannot shoot, but that does not matter. It really does not matter. <laughs> it, it it really doesn't. I don't think early, especially, um, man, the playmaking has just come so far. I know that um, there was some pushback when, you know, the NBA media finally accepted that Jason Tatum had become like a really, really good playmaker where, you know, a lot of Celtics fans saw it really emerge in the bubble when, you know, Hayward went down and and Kemba was on one knee and, you know, Tatum averaged five plus assists for the entire playoff run. That was where it really emerged. But man, the fact that it's become this second nature to him, he had, he literally just, he knows exactly what's coming. He's going to post. He really understands how much gravity he has now. He knows he's going to be a player. One dribble, bang, one hand pass to Smart, who makes the right read you know maybe a year ago smart takes that three but he knows who's in the corner is downtown Jalen Brown and it's just it's just beautiful beautiful and the fact that it's second nature in the preseason versus we had to wait until January February for this offense to really get humming if everybody understand it's just it's just accepting and understanding and building the trust or dare I say the love and trust with the teammates to understand that like this is the best option the ball's going to come back to you. You're going to get wide open looks and winning cue is all things, basically. It's just top to Absolutely. bottom beautiful. Love it. And like, by God, did we need this as fans? You know, yeah. like with the, the September that we've had, going back to the Gallo injury and the Rob God. surgery and everything that sort of happened and obviously the Udoka situation, you know, I'll say a couple of wins because like I said off the top here, like we're considering this Raptors game a win, essentially the important of part of the game was one. Like that is just <laughs> so good for the vibes and the overall outlook. I'm sure that permeates within the organization as well. Um, so it's so important and so just necessary as far as my own mental health. Um, let's rush through these last couple of hot takes very quickly. The next one we've got, Malcolm Brogdon guarantees a second quarter run um, that causes, you know... Um, Unmakeupable levels of separation for the opposition, yep. um, unless the op- opposition is going up against uh, Justin Jackson. Unfortunately, like we saw yesterday, uh, agree, disagree. You know, want to extend that take at all, Jake? Yeah. Look, I mean the the memory. We, we, this was happening in the second half of last year, and the memory of when the Celtics went into Denver and it was tight, and then they just like breathed fire all over the Nuggets, like with Peyton Pritchard threes. This is only going to another level this year. Malcolm Brogdon as your dude off the bench running the second unit. I think it was, you know, Marcus and then um, Hauser, Pritchard. And I keep, I think it was Grant. Like he could lead the league in assists as a six man. That's how insane the second quarters have, run, have looked right now. Like a second unit of Brogdon surrounded by Hauser, Pritchard, Grant, and pick a non-shooter. It doesn't matter. Like the, the level of spacing that's going to be around him um, is kind of absurd. Um, yeah, nine assists in two games, not 18 assists in 47 minutes, uh, kind of absurd. Uh, and again, they only, they only shot 35% from three yesterday. Like it wasn't like they were scorching hot like the game in Charlotte. Um, he generates such easy looks. Like Hauser was just, there was no defender in sight in a couple of these ones. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see how much that changes uh, as teams adjust. But again, if they're going to, you know, collapse on or a hug towards Hauser, that just means easier looks for, for Brogdon. Yeah, absolutely. And then Carl Saf has chimed in here. Uh, is overreaction to a duo allowed? Because I think the second unit combo of Brogdon and Hauser is going to be deadly against other benches, just like you just touched on there, Jake. And then Spoonie chiming in with Brogdon kicking to 
essentially any good shooter who can space yeah. the floor uh, is cheating. Just the the dual effect of opening the driving lanes up for Brogdon and or otherwise, if the defense collapses, opening up the uh, the shooting pockets for those guys. Case Carl, that's a that's a great point. I think um, we're gonna have to workshop a nickname um, if the Brogdon Hauser duo starts to eventuate. The first thing that comes to mind is Hogden, but that's you know that's that's just a, a simple combination of names. We'll we'll get in the lab um, and start to think of something like, good. Like it's an invitation that like come to Malcolm Brogdon's house party, but it's spelled <laughs> in the house. There's something like that. There's yes. something there. There's something there. Yeah, we have yeah, to get on Photoshop yeah. and mock that up. Yeah, um, yeah. Brogdon but, extended the VIP invitation to the house party. Yeah. Uh, really interesting question from Oz Celtics fan here. Uh, shout out to Justin who says, uh, when did we last have a varied and competent second unit or such a varied and competent second unit? Uh, the Pierce and KG era. Uh, Spooty says yeah. uh, the disappointing 2019 team had a loaded bench, which I think is probably fair. But going back, I mean, because if you look back beyond that, like to bridge the gap between 2019 and like the KG Pierce era, you could argue that many of those starting lineups were not varied and competent, you know? <laughs> so when was yeah. the bench varied and competent? Like, was it when we had, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank here, Fongos, like a, original love interest, uh, Jerebko? <laughs> Like, was Jerebko yes. like a good, like, yeah. seventh man for a while there? Yeah, like, I think Brad kind of engineered some relatively competent second units, but, like, I think the point, you know, you know, I, you know, the, the J era in general, you know, that, that one, that one year was supposed to have a great bench, you know, Terry, Mook, um, the list goes on. Um, but the difference here is that people are bought into the board movement and the team identity. Hogged and wild. That is that's beautiful. Um, <laughs> there we go. See, this is this is a team. This is a team collaborative effort. This is perfect. Shout out to everyone in the chat. This is what everyone we want. in the chat. This is what it's all about. Um, yeah, like the have, having the ball movement. The ball movement. Like you know, Jalen and Jason didn't have the playmaking in them back in 2019, and it's all it's all part of the same the same chemistry here. Um, but the the yeah, and and like there hasn't been a J in the second unit. I've noticed in the first two games, like. Which is which is interesting. Um, I'm sure that you know they're going to play around with that, but um, you know that's that's the how good the second unit has looked without a Tatum or a Jalen out there at the same time. So yeah, um, yeah, they, these bench units, like you know, oh fuck, we survived, we survived Derek White and Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum, and now it's Jalen and Brogdon and Hauser and just raining threes down upon you while Grant shutting down whoever your best wing defender, like wing is. It's just like. Second unit looks good. Yeah, they look great. Um, and yeah, just to take the pressure off the Jays there long term. Yeah. Uh, and all of this to segue is happening without Rob Williams, the Time Lord, mm. on the floor. Um, and Al Horford, therefore, is playing the, solely the center spot. Maybe like the sole center on the team, on the roster, kind right of like yeah. Cabajelli. You know, he's had some flashes, but like, you know, Cabangelli is a lot of fun. And, you know, Spooty in our chat yesterday was talking about the vertical spacing element that Cabangelli adds. But like, I don't think he's going to play like 12 minutes in game one against the Sixers, for example. He might not even see the floor or even suit up at all. So Horford is is really like our, our sole guy at the moment. Someone that we also talked about going a little soft to begin the, the preseason. One thing that I, I noticed about Horford and I tried to find stats to back this up. So you'll have to forgive me. It's based on my own sort of eye test and assumptions at the moment. Horford seems to be setting more picks in transitions that we are scoring out of quite successfully. And yes, you could you could scratch that off as in game one as the Hornets are not a competent defense. Um, but they did it quite well and quite successfully. The two instances, uh, one I've got a clip of here to show you where um, the Celtics did that uh, against the Raptors. So here we've got Tatum bringing the ball up, which is another emerging trend. He's bringing the ball up much more frequently. And we see that Horford's going to come and set this pick uh, immediately in transition before the Raptors' defense is set. And Tatum still ends up sort of facing a crowd of three mm. there, but does a really good job of spinning around the primary defender uh, and getting Beautiful. to the bucket. I believe there was another very similar action with Horford and Marcus Smart uh, earlier in the game. That's not an action that I am very familiar with, Jake, and I wonder if that's something that we're going to see uh, throughout the season and whether or not that's limited to Horford. You know, as a, a person of such high basketball IQ, is that action limited to him or are we going to see Rob and even Luke Cornett pull that off? Yeah, I, 
it's it's so hard to know because we're not there, obviously. But like, how much of this is you know system <laughs> designed? I know how, how amazing would it be? Because um, how much of this is designed, and how much of this is just the whole team is insanely high IQ now? Like Derek White is just is just naturally setting screens to spring Tatum open. Horford's doing it. Is that because Horford's seen Derek White do it twice in game one, and in and on film he's been like, oh, that's a really cool thing that you've been doing. I'm gonna start doing more of that as well. Like. It's it's hard to say. Um, maybe Missoula's uh, already making his imprint on the team. Um, regardless of where it's coming from, it's great. Like getting getting. I love the the appears. You know, seems to be getting a concerted effort to Tatum to get in really advantageous spots and Jalen as well. It's beautiful. It, is Horford at the top of your injury anxiety list for this season, especially Ooh. now while we've got no one backing him up, or is is Brogdon you know taking the top oh, spot I- for you there? Right, I guess as far as like likelihood, like Tatum's at the top of the list. Um, like if if Tatum went down, I might have to get, go into a dark room um, for a long, long time. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't get injured, so don't have to worry about that. Um, yeah, like if Horford goes down, uh, it's kind of yeah. There's, there was well, granted we are missing the Green Hornet currently. You know how elite backup big man right now. Um, but yeah, I think you know. There's only one good big man on the team right now. So if Hoffer went down, I think it would be a bit of an issue. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. What about you? Where, uh, you, you, I, know, I know you have high injury anxiety just in general. Yeah. Thank you for acknowledging <laughs> that. I feel seen. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously the Jays, but you know, Malcolm Brogdon has shown and demonstrated his importance to the team and, and sort of functionally what he contributes. But we also are quite deep at the guard position. Um, we... Thank you for reminding me. We've got an ad read that we need to get to, Jake. Um, yes. We're one Al Horford ankle roll away from Cabin Jelly playing like 25 minutes a game in the regular season as things currently stand. And that is extremely concerning. So Al Horford, very much okay with him only playing in first gear and sort yes. of sticking to that, you know, uh, way of things, uh, you know, up, up until halfway through the regular season, unless we really need him to kick it up a gear. Uh, Jake, we do have an ad read to get to. Uh, I believe you've got some some copy that you want to read for us. Yes, we have a very important message to read. Welcome to Fresh Ball Fall. It's the season of pumpkin spice and making sure your crotch looks nice. That means sipping cider in a fall breeze and using Manscaped product to trim your balls with ease. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped, a company here to make sure that your foliage is isn't the only thing shedding its excess leaves. Heck, even Mother Nature knows it's time to lose the excess clutter for fall. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code CRPOD. We're going to get that updated, don't you worry. Um, Whether you're brand (laughs) new or already with us at Manscaped, you could use the crown jewel of care for your family jewels, the Platinum Package 4.0. With this glorious package, you can align your entire hygiene routine all in one sweep. Inside the 10-part Platinum Package is everything you know and love about the Performance Plus Package, some shower goodies included to elevate your grooming game to platinum. The Lawnmower 4.0, I personally have the 3.0, which I love, need to upgrade. The 4.0 body trimmer and weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer feature. Proprietary advanced skin safe technology to protect your delicate parts and holes, which I can say are incredible bits of technology. Both are waterproof, so you can keep scaping as the weather's changing. In addition to shaving, you can now completely upgrade your shower routine with the Ultra Premium Body Wash and Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner. You'll have your skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. Don't forget oh, yes. to apply the, that's right. Don't forget to apply the <laughs> aluminium-free Ultra Premium Deodorant. And don't worry, it's not pumpkin spice. It's a cologne quality fragrance. I wouldn't mind some pumpkin spice. It's just, you know, for the odd occasion. But we couldn't mm. save a signature scent for our pits. Use Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to make sure you, your go-to smell is top shelf and not sweaty balls. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to the premium package, Platinum Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxes and Shed Travel Bag, both specifically made to hold your goodies. Get the Platinum Package this fall. These products are guaranteed to hit your dangly bits. And even in Australia, it's not fall, but it's muggy. The swamp ass is in full effect. Um, so use the code CRPOD to get your 20% off your Manscaped. Bits are dangling. Products. Bits are it's, dangling on the rain. It's tough. <laughs> there we go. 
Great first ad read there, Jake. Well done. Use that code CRPOD. We are going to get it updated to something along the lines of first to the floor um, as soon as they respond to my request to do so. And Jake, <laughs> uh, no need to invest in the uh, in the 4.0. I, I got an email confirmation from them last week. They're sending you out your own performance yes. package. So we expect Huge. a fully fully groomed Jake on the podcast uh, as soon as next week. My fiance uh, is, is going to be stoked to hear that as well. Absolutely, absolutely. It's kept my my marriage uh, alive single handedly. So it's a very uh, very much recommended. Now, before we wrap up, Blake Griffin is our final preseason hot take, and the hot take there is that he is the best bench presence in the entire league. Uh, as I allow myself back into the chat here, <laughs> there we go. Um, there we go, Jake. Am I right? Am I wrong? Is Blake Griffin the the ultimate bench presence in the league? Brad Stevens is playing chess, not checkers, once again. The Brogdon trade was a smashing success, but we did lose one very key piece, and that was Malik Fitz, bench mob legend. And Blake Griffin has come in and absolutely nailing the bench mob uh, situation. Uh, Every time it cuts to Blake Griffin, we're seeing him laughing, making fun of Grant Williams, as I I, uh, alluded to earlier. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think he's been a great a great influence on the on the bench so far. He's a stand up comedian. Um, there's a whole Lana Rhodes kid uh, controversy surrounding him right now, which I'm sure the team is having mm-hmm. a fun time with as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's good times. Yeah, can you all just, hear Ben? I'm- Let me know if you can't hear Ben. Cool. Sweet. I was off screen Thanks, for a little bit. Sounds like my, my voice was still coming through there, which is uh, important for the uh, the listeners of the audio podcast. We did lose a few <laughs> members of the chat there during that ad read. So that's uh, uh, interesting. Not Manscaped fans. Um, their loss. Their loss. Uh, I do have a clip Blake here Griffin. for Blake Griffin, and then we're going to wrap up with a couple of things. Uh, yes. Here we go. So, Kevin Gelly. <laughs> They called a timeout after he appeared to maybe knock the ball out of bounds. Blake Griffin, dude, you've knocked the ball out. It's not a timeout. Get back there. Kevin Gelly freaks out. He's like, no, nah, dude, I'm just fucking with you. And then like <laughs> the intensity, the intensity in Kevin Gelly's eyes, like having been through yes. that moment. It's his second time on an NBA floor in a while. Like he's had cups of tea with other teams. Obviously, he's just like at a point in his career where he's just so focused, so much trying to get like that proper NBA contract. And Blake Griffin's just out there, like, busted his balls. Um, his manscaped balls, I may add. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, just good vibes. And, like, Tatum is, yeah, like, man. clearly so into it. And, like, Tatum yeah. probably at one point in his life was a Blake Griffin fan, I oh, imagine, dude, back in, like, 2011 when he's jumping over cars and shit. Um, so it's just, it's just funny how things come full circle like that. I, th- I think Blake has a lot of um, respect and cachet around the league still. Like, he's only – he's not that far removed from his dunking on everyone days and – like two to three years removed from being on third team all NBA. Like a lot of, a lot of, a lot of these guys in the league have, have been posterized or cooked by Blake Griffin at one time or another. Um, and, you know, he runs in those elite circles. Like people, people have that respect for him, you know, six time all-star, you know, MVP candidate, all sorts of things like that. Um, so just, it's a great, great signing from a vice point of view. Um, I'm, probably a little higher on it than than most but i'm typically a little higher on all celtics moves until uh they prove me otherwise um i think you know the fact that he can play the four and the five just do a little bit of everything uh, I'm, I'm hopefully we see him in the next I'm, I'm i'm guessing we'll see him in the next uh preseason game tomorrow against charlotte uh yeah i certainly hope so i mean he in his interview talked about you know really wanting to get on the floor before the regular mm. season uh, as fans, obviously, we'd love to see it. Hopefully, we get like a spicy dunk, right? Like we, I don't yes. know, it's been a rough month. A we deserve one, yeah. something like that. That'd be nice. Maybe a nice alley oop uh, from yeah. Smart there. Now, look, we're at at risk. I mean, we're going to do it. We're going to ro- run over the sort of um, forbidden well, one hour mark here, here Jake. So, uh, sorry, Does go ahead. Have, do you have Do you have anything off the top of your head from Nicholas here? Who will be the next aging vet that's going to come to Boston to get a ring? <gasps> Does uh, Gallinari count. <laughs> he'll be back next year if we don't he'll, trade he'll be him. Back. Yeah, I mean Mello. I know he the, he he'll he'll be in out in the wind. Um, that's what's cool. It does seem like Boston's like pretty much at the top of the of the A pecking order, at least. Yeah, of, of um of those vets, you know, looking to chase a ring. So. Yes, yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to know what everyone in the chat sort of thinks. Uh, Spoonie says it. I, I think we're at a point now where like that could be harmless, <laughs> maybe to the culture. 
uh, Haslam uh, would be if we could get Haslam on our bench and then beat That'd the Heat in the conference finals. There would be no more satisfying outcome. Um, no it says Landon Lakes. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it would be like the most fun, right, for fans who have been fans of the team for longer than a few years. Um, yeah. Because we're talking about guys who, and this includes Blake Griffin. If all things go well, and we've said this on the podcast before, that they're not really expected to have much of an impact on the team. It's more of a break glass in case of emergency bench piece. Um, yeah. So Conley gets bought out. Ooh, yeah, wild. That's interesting. And then, like, would he even sign here? Because yeah, where we do really we be like, able to guarantee much of a role for him? Yeah, like it, like you know. Pritchard's better than IT at this point. Like, and he can't get on the court, you know. Um, Conley would be but insane I'd- good insurance for, like, Brogdon. Yeah, I mean, IT is just going to take any contract offer he gets at this point in his career, course, which is yeah. why it's it's kind of harmless, whereas, like, Conley is yeah. still pretty solid, I think. Oh, yeah. And um, skinny Jared Salinger is another one. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting question, uh, but because we are that destination, like you said, Jake, we we might have our our pick of the crop in the coming years, so it's going to be yeah. interesting to see what answers emerge to that question. We do have to wrap up here. People's yeah. commutes, if they're listening to this later, only go for so long. Um, <laughs> two two points to get to very quickly. The big man rotation. I think we could spend like a minute on this, Jake. Yeah. Um, what did you think? What have you thought about the big man rotation so far? There isn't really a big man rotation so far. It's like Vonley played two minutes yesterday. Cabangeli played garbage time. Um, the Raptors don't play centers. So I'm wondering if that was part mm-hmm. of why we didn't see a lot of big men yesterday. I, I, I would really like to see Cabangeli play like the second unit big man minutes. We've seen Vonley a little bit now. I want to see Jelly get a chance um, against Plumley tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to see, but there, yeah, we don't really have any answers on that outside of like they probably they might not even play another big man. They might just do Tatum and Grant at the four and the five. Yeah, all I'll add to that is that Vonley was maybe one of the more hopeful additions to the yep. the training camp roster that hasn't really played out in any promising way yet, and doesn't look to. Um, particularly the trouble we had securing rebounds on either end when Vonley was the primary big man on the court. Um, but can he be like a four-string big? Yes, right? And would we rather have Kevin Jelly over him in that role? Maybe. I mean, we've, fortunately, we've still got a lot of runway on Kevin Jelly's two-way contract before we need to con- decide whether to convert yeah. him, what we're going to do with Von Ley, uh, et cetera. Finally, before we wrap up, thank you, oh, Celtics fan. Very much Thanks, appreciated. Mate. Thank Strongly you, agree. everyone in the chat. Very, very quickly, how long until we start firing up the trade machine for Gallo trades? Because we see him pretty, um, it's pretty set without him. I'm guessing the first loss of the season is when we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's from I guess. Oh, let me just throw some names out. And these these contracts only roughly match the, the sort of Gallinari range. So there would need to be some additions and subtractions around the edges here. Zach Collins on the Spurs. Spurs are a tanking team. Very much aligning their season agenda with uh, Wemby, which is very smart and very typical of the Spurs. Zach Collins is in an advanced-ish stage of his career, has had some injury troubles and would be suited to a limited role. And, you know, big men are probably still a shortage that we've just talked about on this team. Having someone with relative competence at that position, Zach Collins might be attainable there. Chris Duarte on the Pacers, another tanking team. Duarte, I think he's only going into his second year, but he was a four-year college guy, a little bit older, and I believe the Pacers, um, the name is escaping me, but they drafted a pretty dynamic, young, small forward. Yeah, Matherin. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so Duarte yeah. could be attainable. Whether or not we have the assets that, you know, are we willing to give up another first-round pick at this yeah. stage? Maybe, maybe not. No, no, and no, then no. again from the Pacers, Goga Batadze, who is a pretty talented European center there who um, really, like, if you're a tanking team, like, whether or not you have Batadze on your team is, is kind of irrelevant. Yeah. So he might be available and certainly useful for the Celtics. Yeah, he's, not, he's definitely not a vibes guy. I think he's, he tried to fight his coach. He tried to fight Korkmaz um, <laughs> yeah. and Eurobasket. Um, that's definitely toughness. Uh, I noticed Kem Birch didn't get into garbage time yesterday for the Raptors. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yep. not adding any first round picks for like a $6 million contract, but maybe a second no. rounder or like a Peyton Pritchard 
if that's the like if we need a wing or a big man but i'm sure we'll get like way too deep into the weeds uh in a month or so on a, on uh or as we get closer to Gallinari becoming eligible for trade cool all right any other names yeah uh ken birch uh wayne spoonie is putting up his hand there um yeah. any other names there jake before we wrap this one up uh, it's hard. It's hard without my um, giant list of Celtics targets from the off season in front of me here. But, um, <laughs> but like you know, the d- depending on what we want, like an, like another wing, like a, a Justin, someone that actually can play the back end of the bench rotation, like one of the Holiday brothers. You know, all three of them um, would fit. Um, I love Jock Landale. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. Um, big guy that can kind of do a bit of everything. Uh, yeah, someone like that. Yeah, Jock Landau, that'll be a nice, nice Aussie addition, nice Aussie vibes yeah. check there. And might give us an inroad via the, the Celtics PR team. Hey, Aussie Celtics podcast, there's our guy. Let's get him on the pod. Uh, one can only dream. Uh, look, thanks for sticking with us. Bit of a long one here, the first official podcast under the new first to the floor uh, branding. That is going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, support the show. Like and subscribe here on YouTube if you haven't already. Uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Please. Spotify. Find us on IG and TikTok at First to the Floor 18. We've already got some content up on those socials and we're continuing to populate those feeds uh, as the season progresses. And Twitter at First to the number two, First to the Floor. Uh, we're going to fire up our playback stream for tomorrow's game against the Hornets as well. I think at least Jake and potentially Jackson are going to be on that one. We'll get to the link for that uh, stream on all of our socials and Twitter and YouTube uh, very, very soon. And it's going to be our first playback stream of the season which is very exciting. Uh, Spoonie in the chat, who couldn't join us on this one. Jake, love your work, mates. Thanks again. Thanks, mate.